beautiful fluff, my beautiful wife. Mm. Bit try hard, isn't it? No. It's romantic. Mm. Mm. Tulips, though. It's either red roses or nothing for me. She usually eats nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't uh, suppose you can slip away at lunchtime, can you? Well, it depends what I'm slipping away for. Something sweet? Oh, get a room! What's this? Slack as anonymous? Get stitching, get packing. Get out! The talk of the street. 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 Welcome to episode 245 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street Catcher podcast that after Daisy's cancer scare and Daisy's stalker scare, I can hardly wait for Daniel making Daisy's next smear test all about him too. I'm Gavin. And I am nearly done with watching all the Oscar movies. Nearly done. I have three documentaries to watch, two foreign films to watch. That's it. Let me see what my total is because my total last year, at this point last year, going to the Oscars, mm-hmm. I think I'd seen like two. Yeah. This year I have seen out of the 50 something, there are 54 movies that were nominated for an Oscar this year. Uh-huh. I have seen 33 of them, Woo-hoo! which is pretty good going for me. You've seen all the best pictures. Yes. You've Animated s- shorts, live seen- action shorts. Yep. I haven't seen all the doc. I don't think I've seen any of the documentaries or the document documentary shorts. Well, Fire of Love is on Hulu. Um, all that breathes and Navalny, which I'm going to be watching after we're done here, are on HBO Max. The other two don't seem to be streaming anywhere unless you want to pay for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, beyond the payment that you make for your subscription service to <gasps> streaming. Yeah. No, I'm, I That's wouldn't have time between now and Sunday, I don't think. How's it? Well, you have all day Sunday. I don't think I'm going to have time between <laughs> now and Sunday. And I've watched all the animated movies. And you've only seen Pinocchio. Yeah, most of the <laughs> I refuse to pay 20 bucks to watch that cat in the heart thing. You mean Puss in Boots? Yeah, that's what I mean. Yes, and I believe it's streaming now, so you don't have to pay 20 bucks. Well, aren't I glad that I didn't? Yes. Yes, because you did pay to watch Triangle of Sadness, and now it's free on the Hulu. Do you know, I only paid, I think, five bucks to watch that, and it was worth it. It wasn't worth 20 bucks, but it was worth five. Anyway, Mm. how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. It's just so super busy. I'm tomorrow. Super busy watching Oscar movies? Well, there's that, but also at work. I'm super glad tomorrow is like the last Saturday I have to work for a while, which is nice. Because we don't have any auctions going up anytime soon. Still working on Man Cave. Got some really exciting advertising to to work on next week. Very excited for that. Some like light up Pepsi signs and stuff. <laughs> Excellent. And Seagrams. And like a, a stoplight. What do you think people have in Man Caves? Because <laughs> Seagram adverts wouldn't be anywhere near the top of my list. Well, it's like a light up clock. 
But, you know, there are all different kinds of men. I think man caves have no windows or clocks, so you become unaware of the time. Well. Or it's not Vegas. I'm thinking of Vegas. <laughs> Those Sorry. are casinos, yes. Because Mohegan Sun and Foxwoods are the same. No windows, yeah, no clocks. That's my joke. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. It's been a busy week again. An awful lot of thinking. I've been forced to think for quite a lot uh, this week, and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> How dare they make you think? Oh, but think and think and think. And then think some more. I've done nothing but think all week, which is why I was glad for Coronation Street for a little break of that. Yes. No thinking required. Well, maybe a little bit this week. I trying, felt an awful lot of Trying very hard to think of, you know, butterflies and sunshine and roses and other things that make you happy so that you don't have to think about what you're watching. I felt an awful lot of it washed over me, so I think I'm going to be as surprised as you are to hear some of my notes today. Just, I, I feel like I didn't even watch it. Uh, it was very hard going. Was it? It was very hard going. I said to you before we started that there's a part of me that just has half a mind to just not watch anymore until the Daisy and the Amy storylines are over because it's just, you know, I watched women talking um, so did I. this week and, and you were a little, you watched it first and you were a little concerned that it might be triggering for me. Mm-hmm. Coronation Street this week was far more triggering than, than women talking because women talking, I think, handled the situation in a far more considered way. I feel and was written and directed by a woman. I, f- I feel like uh, women talking is putting that on its poster, not as triggering as Coronation Street. <laughs> Sarah Polly will be so proud. <laughs> Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give us some of that. Well, let me go into the right board first. <laughs> Give me some of that triggering, Corey News. The Cory cast celebrated Alison King's 50th birthday this week with She's a night out as my age. evidenced. Would you stop ruining my jokes? Oh, I'm just, well, you've been ruining mine for 12 years. <laughs> as evidenced on Samia Longchamban's Instagram. Hard to believe Alison is the same age as our Gav. Wow. I think she's looking better for it. Than you? Hmm. Well, she's not balding. No, she, no, she's not balding. <laughs> she's got that on you. <laughs> Just as well, although I think my breasts are firmer. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I haven't touched hers. <laughs> right. <laughs> How can I ruin the next item of Corey News? <laughs> we were saddened by the swift exit of Damien last week. We were. But elated that Tawana Omer is headed to Broadway. Is what? He is. He's starring in the play The Jungle, which will be moving from New York to DC in April. And he's not the only Corey alum in the cast of the play. What? Would you believe that this play set in a refugee camp also stars Julie Hesmonda? Hesmonda. Yes, that's what I said. No one. <laughs> I said it with an American accent. So isn't that exciting, Gav? Wow. What what a great way for that young man to land on his feet. It's playing a refugee again, I guess. But Well, yes, it's set in a refugee camp. But still. But still. Broadway. That's amazing. That's yeah. like 
because he didn't he didn't even leave with a fanfare of going off to do other things right. and bigger things and yet wow that's pretty huge that's pretty huge on the broadway yes the great white way now do you think there are parts of the broadway that are maybe not quite as razzle dazzle as other parts like this kind of off broadway right but this 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 play is not off broadway it's It's on broadway Broadway. wow that's that's amazing that is amazing i mean dc will be off broadway yeah sure (laughs) so but still i'm wondering so when is this starting do you know well it it has already started he started in february actually oh okay so you know because he wrapped we we saw him leave last week but he had already left before last week yes i'm i'm a little surprised that more fanfare about this wasn't made i guess because they didn't want people to know that he was leaving because that would be spoilery. Oh, I don't think his character was really one that they were all that concerned about. Who knows? Not in a bad way, but no. just... I think I think we all knew he was going to be a temporary character. Most to pity, I right. think, would have, as we were saying last week, would have been quite happy if he'd Stayed hung forever. around and, and, yeah, and, and got a little bit of roots in the street right. and stuff just to show that it's possible, you know. But, because, let's be honest, it would be nice to have two unproblematic young man on the street right now all we have is addy and sam sam is a child he's not a young man liam who (laughs) zach what harry now you're just saying words (laughs) harry i'm not a baby (laughs) soft play soft play and finally oh yeah finally <laughs> not to be undone Roxandra Pornicu oofed well done formerly Alina Pop has joined the cast of London theatre show Stray Dogs proving you don't have to fly to America to see a former Corey cast member on stage unless you already live here like us so what does that do for our our prediction of her coming back then well we thought she was going to come back at christmas, christmas time yeah. and she didn't so maybe she's never coming back or maybe she's coming back when the kid's a little older right because she's definitely had tyron's or, baby right or maybe she will come back with a different face like jackson this week yeah, I, don't, I think they'd have less less chance of getting away with that hmm. well not if they waited six years mm, true and that's cory news that is cory news and you know, we we do get the occasional mailbag item. And I, and I'm really bad at remembering to mention them, but we got quite a few this week. So, so I'm remembering. Ah. Which leads us to our section. Everyone's a critic. That's the YouTube music. Yeah, and I changed it to become the everyone's a critic music because oh, okay. it's music from film nineteen whatever, which oh. was a critique. Sure. Show. Sure. Mark got in touch to say, serious point, thank you for eloquently saying out loud the things I was unable to articulate with silent anger slash frustration during that harrowing final scene from last week's Corey. And also thanks for elaborating with personal experience. Once again, bearing your soul and providing necessary education on some very difficult topics. Non-serious point, Thundersnow is the best Icelandic post-rock <laughs> punk band to emerge from <laughs> Helen's imagination. So... 
they had thunder snow in Canada at the same time, which just reminded me of how close we are to Canada. Yeah. Because it was probably the same storm. And yet so far away. It was. Yeah, it was the yeah. same storm. Thanks very much for those comments, Mark. And uh, then M Extreme Edits wrote to say it was great to hear your thoughts on the storyline with Amy. I agree. The show needs more happy storylines. And you know, we, we I think we call it like we see it. Yes. With these storylines, and sometimes yes. people agree with us, and sometimes people don't. But thank you for taking the time, both Mark and M Extreme Edits, to write in to to agree with us. Do you think he's just M to his friends? Sure. <laughs> Then our good friend John Giovanacci wrote, Disappointed that Darren's farewell didn't get moment of the week last week. While Gemma stuffing her face was funny the first 27 times. It's gone beyond a joke now and it's just disgusting. I think we were both really just so disappointed that Darren left right, that's what last I, week. That's what I wrote in reply to him. Ah. And then finally, Ian Les Paul wrote, Gav, tune the pox and guitar, you're making my eyes water. Well, <laughs> Ian... I can assure you the guitar is tuned and I can play guitar a little bit. I just choose not to. Which leads us on to <laughs> Will Podcast for Coffee. We're on our own coffees again this week. I am drinking, once again, Canada Dry Zero. What are you drinking with a wine glass that isn't wine? Iced tea. My drink of choice. The Talk of the Street is and always will be free on your podcast provider and on the YouTubes. But if you think our show is worth anything more than the time it takes to listen to our little show right here. Our little show. Like an hour and 40 minutes of your time. And if you want to show your appreciation, you can buy us next week's coffee by going to ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. And we'll be very grateful, won't we, Helen? And also appreciative. What did I say? Grateful. What did I usually say? Appreciative. <laughs> Thank you. And now this is worth money, apparently. This. A welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about use your imagination. Use your imagination to imagine. Steve McDonald in his boxer shorts. That's right, this was Gary using Lenny the PI to invent stories to throw people off Rick's decomposing scent. Well, what should I tell him, said Lenny. Use your imagination, said Gary. I was Gavin, and I couldn't really understand what you were. I think you said you were the queen of the tickle monsters? Am I the queen of the tickle monsters? Yes, I am the queen of the tickle monsters. We wondered why dogs <laughs> weren't tickly or ticklish. Hmm. Would you say tickly or ticklish? Ticklish. Ticklish. Yeah. Cats are, though. Cats are ticklish? I think so. They respond as if they're ticklish when I tickle them. Nurse! <laughs> Sam is thrilled when he defeats Brian at chess, but Nick has had enough of sitting bored in the cafe and so bans his son from continuing under Roy's tutelage. It very much looks like Adam will be charged for the damage caused at Lydia's flat while Sarah decides to cut all of her and Harry's ties to him. Kelly is running herself ragged as she tries to care for her mum, attend oh, her Kelly. schoolwork and cut Homeless Stew's hair. Oh, Kelly's mum. Oh, Homeless Stew's hair. Lush, <laughs> Where lush Where has Homeless Stew been? He's lush hair and he's wonderful teeth. Yes, and his guitar playing. 
More of that later. <laughs> Emma continues to hide her relationship with John from Craig and Faye. Daniel and Daisy are beginning to show signs of committing to each other when he mentions going on holiday together until a face from the past threatens to scupper their plans. With Glory's first birthday approaching, Michael is keen to find grace to the absolute horror of Ed and Aggie. Kev returned from Bridlington to find Abby back on the muck, and from this point, her day is only going to get worse, because this is the day... That she gets birth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Gary <sighs> loses his Insanity DVD. Debbie likens herself to Nitz, and Mr. Jacobs Grayneson will need a valley. Our moment of the week was Gary's home aerobics, and our boring moment of the week was <laughs> Daisy handing out spike prevention coasters and too much of a nod that the show was taking it seriously. Oh God, I miss Gary's aerobics. He was giving up. That was so big, good. Big insanity. It was so good. Bring back Gary's aerobics. We were very taken by his moves. Yes. And that was Coronation Street and the Talk of the Street. This time last year, shall we dive in, my dear? <sighs> I guess we kind of have to. That's why we're here. We get it over and done with. <laughs> if that's if that's any good to you. <laughs> Our first storyline is, we're not calling Aaron a you-know-what yet. Rapist. Right. On Monday, it's the morning after the night before, and Amy is waking up to a room that looks like a bomb's hit it and a glass of water with Drink Me written on post-it stuck on its side. Right. Well, that's a kind of red flag right there, yeah, isn't it? kind of creepy, Aaron. Not as creepy as raping Amy the night before, but you know. No, comparatively far less creepy and damaging but yes. still yeah has he never never read or seen alice in wonderland meanwhile aaron is at work having to deal with abby listening to the beastie boys and talking about egg yolks and tomatoes and egg yolks dripping down alfie's chin and everything she's trying to make him sick now, she's punishing him I don't know and that, it's hilarious is this universal then because my make me feel sick after i've been drinking image was a yolk from an egg and ketchup and baked beans that all kind of mixed together would oh, would give me the dry book interesting did you have anything that, that would make you feel sick when you were drunk nothing that comes to mind no. just being drunk <laughs> more beer asha and nina show up feeling better than he is despite a late night that's because nina's been drinking water yes and they arranged to meet at Speeddal for a recovery nan at lunchtime. They think it's a good opportunity for Aaron and Summer to make up. Back at the flat, Amy gets up and listens to a voicemail from Ash and Nina about the lunch thing. The living room is still a mess, and some of the empty bottles seem to be jogging Amy's memory a bit. So at Speeddal later, everyone is now calling Amy Ames. Oh, that just absolutely got in my tits. Yes. On the Friday, uh -huh. no one's calling her Ames. Now, Jacob called her Ames, and that was yes. cute. Yes, because Jacob was her boyfriend. Yeah. He's allowed to give her a nickname. She's in a world of her own, and when she nips off for a shite, she bumps into Aaron, and more of the last night comes back to her. He tells her that he'd like to keep the fact that they slept together a secret from the others, and shocked, she storms off for that shite. Right, yes, because it has been a secret to her that that happened. Right. What a way to find out. What a way to find out. In a restaurant... At lunchtime. Right. By when the guy saying that we should keep this secret. And if he had never said anything, she wouldn't know. Mm. She probably suspected because her 
underpants were on the other side of the room. Right. But yikes. Back at the table, someone has arrived too, and she and Aaron make up and decide to go back out together for the umpteenth time. Amy is already feeling sick before overhearing this pish. And then Asha wants a photo of this momentous occasion, although if she just waited a couple of days, I'm sure it would have rolled round again. Later, Amy and Aaron get a chance to talk privately. Amy explains how drunk she was and how she can't remember anything, and Aaron misreads this and agrees that he was out of it too. He can't even remember if he took any protection. So Amy goes home to deal with that. Yes. And at home, as she's dealing with it, Summer fucking shows up wanting to chat about being a cow yesterday. Amy is quick to temper and clearly isn't Aaron's biggest fan, so now Summer is sure something's up. I'm hungover, you dozy cow, says Amy, and she blames her mood on not being able to get hold of Jacob. Everyone is round at the young crew flat later to watch a movie, so Amy announces... Except for Nina. That was weird. Amy announces that she's off to live at number one for a couple of days, blaming the fact that she has an essay due and it's just better if she concentrates there. So the others continue to worry about Amy while Aaron looks guilty as fuck. Amy is packed and leaves, so he chases after her and makes sure that she'll keep her mouth shut. He hopes she isn't leaving because of what they did. And she says she's not. She's leaving because of what he did. Bingo. And he is still really confused by this. Yes. At home, Tracy welcomes Amy back and is suspicious when Amy hugs her. Nice one, Tracy. That's your daughter. (laughs) Back at the flat, Asha's feeling like a gooseberry, so she leaves uh, Aaron and Summer to it. And this allows Aaron and Summer to snuggle up. Summer suggests that they don't act too loved up in front of Amy, who Summer is sure is upset about something. And this is a little bit of advice that she quickly forgets for the rest of the week. Yes. Tracy has made Amy some roasted cheese or something and announces that Daisy wants Amy to be a bridesmaid. Amy is appalled at the thought of people looking at her, but plays along. They chat about Tracy's wedding day with Rob Donovan, which was ruined when Carla dodged him in at the cops for killing Tina McIntyre. I hate when that happens on your wedding day. Seriously. Amy asks if Tracy wishes that Carla kept her mouth shut about Rob, but Tracy thinks Rob got what he deserved, all yes. things considered. Yes. Well, it's nice of you to consider, to think that, Tracy. You know, when you weigh it all up, you know, you. if you just kept... Because at kept first she was like, shut. oh, it was so nice until... Carla had to ruin it and it's like wait a second right outside later Amy bumps into Aaron who still hasn't got a clue about what happened he's worried that Summer is getting suspicious Amy says that she couldn't care less about Summer speaking on behalf of the audience yes. she cares that she was so drunk she couldn't possibly have given him consent, consent. Mm-hmm. oh oh says Aaron as a little bulb goes off and he tries to insist that Amy was kissing him and undressing him and that she wanted it. She asks what she said to make him think that, but he can't answer. All he knows is, is that she was just as responsible for last night as him. Yeah, no. And he leaves her to it. <sighs> so, if he was that drunk, I can imagine this would be very mm-hmm. earth-shattering news to him yeah but the way that he's been dealing with it right from the off and how he will continue to deal with it through the week is really just to shut her down really awful yeah he's he is he is at least a little horrified to consider the fact that he raped her he can't say it no he he can't can't say the word he can't and yet you know 
She was clearly passed out when he took her underpants off. She was not kissing him at that point. She had her back she to him. She had her back to him. She said, I'm sleepy and turned away no, from him. No, she thought she was going to be sick. Yeah. She's like, I feel sick. And he said, well, that's just what a boy wants to hear. But that didn't stop him. No. Yeah. And she turned away. And she was passed out by the time he took his her, her underpants off. So, I mean... She was not kissing him or taking his clothes off or taking her clothes off. While they were having sex. Well, he he was was raping her. her. Yes. Because they were not having sex because she was passed out. Correct. Yes. On Wednesday, Steve is worried about Amy being asleep on the couch, concerned about her studies, which chases her out to Nina's roles, where, of course, she runs into Summer and Aaron. Fucking hell. (laughs) Cherry Summer is more unbearable now that she's back with Aaron and she arranges to meet up with Amy later regardless of what Amy wants. Right. She suggests to Aaron quietly that he brings along a mate later on. Ew. And this brings us on to this week's Hard Debate. Which is your favourite summer? Is it Cherry Loved Up Summer? Is it Swatty Summer? Is it kidnapped summer or is it selling fake baby summer? I chose kidnapped summer. The voting was thus. In last place, I was surprised by this. Selling fake baby summer, a mere 8.5%. I think that was probably my favourite. Swatty summer was 22.3% and there was a late surge to swap over the first and second place. In second place with 34%. It was kidnapped summer, which what? means with thirty-five point one percent of the vote, cheery loved up summer is most people's well, kinda Gross. favorite summer. There's no accounting for taste. No. What you're doing, British public mostly. Seriously. At the pub later, Amy is pissed off anyway, but she's further pissed off to see that Aaron is there and then is apoplectic with rage to learn that they're setting her up on a blind date. She storms off, leaving Summer to muse that this is so weird. Who would have thought that somebody doesn't want to be set up on a blind date? Especially, you know, less than a month after a pretty awful breakup, especially when Amy has confided to her that she's still upset about that breakup. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like Summer has no emotional intelligence or emotional maturity at all whatsoever it's it's just stunning to me how dumb they have made her and she actually said to amy at some point this week i can't remember exactly which day it was someone says to amy you amy barlow you are turning into a swat excuse me you want to back the fuck away from that summer because that was you for fucking 18 months accusing somebody else of being a swat see i don't know what that means so i was fine with it just uh a bookworm uh just constantly studying oh yeah yeah fuck off summer thank you later summer and amy meet up in the precinct and amy apologizes and blames Sunwood on jacob doing a runner she's scared of being hurt again she's lucky that she's got this that she can use as, as an excuse for, absolutely for her for her emotions 
Summer calls Amy Ames again and tells her that she and Aaron have her back and give her a hug. What happened to the whole let's not rub Amy's face in the fact that we're back together again plan. Right, yeah, seriously. Back at the Young Crew flat, Summer fills Aaron in. But not like that. And tells him the supposed reason for Amy's mood, which makes Al- Aaron relieved. I keep on wanting to call him Alan this week. Alan! 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 Summer promises... Steve! Steve! Summer, stop being a meerkat. That was a prairie dog. Probably. <laughs> Alan! Summer Steve. promises to be a better friend. Meanwhile, at number one, Amy is learning about how Daisy's life has been fucked up by a bloke in another storyline and the police will do nothing about it and Amy is utterly furious on Daisy's behalf here. And it seemed that that little snippet from mm-hmm. that storyline was maybe... It felt like it was about to do something to Amy that she was maybe going to go to the police about right, this. Right, yes. And then nothing happens, mm-hmm. which is frustrating as hell. On Friday, Summer is cheery for the third episode running as she runs into Amy at the bus shelter. Summer announces that she's planning to go to Manchester Uni now to be closer to Aaron. Amy tells her to look further afield, which makes Summer pull her confused face again. Well, yeah, she's like, because because initially she said that she was looking at St. Andrews, but decided not to because she wanted to be close to her boyfriend. And Amy rightly says, your boyfriend should not be your consideration for where you go to college. Even if he isn't a rapist. Right. Summer takes Aaron a coffee at the garage so she can talk to him about Amy. She wonders why Amy was trying to talk her out of going to Manchester. Oh, who fucking cares? And also, that's not what she said. No. Yes, you're probably right, says Summer. In the Rovers, Aaron sees Amy and asks for a chat about her persuading Summer to go to another university. Go fuck yourself, says Amy. Aaron picks up that Amy's still bothered about being raped the other night and he changes his story to say that he can't remember what happened either. This doesn't fool Amy. Aaron says that he's back with Summer and he asks Amy not to ruin that for him. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Ugh. Just... I kind of feel like the less said about this storyline, the better. <laughs> it's just, you know, to have this going on on top of the whole Daisy thing, when we've just gotten over murderous assaults on Alia and Maria. And the shoving of Mike. It's, it's, it's good to have these hard-hitting storylines every once in a while mm-hmm. to, to bring attention to social issues of the day and stuff. But this is not Law & Order SVU. This is fucking Coronation Street. Cut us some slack. It's when you, you stack them all up on top of each other. This is why it gets a reputa- reputation for being dark. Yeah. And and not in a good way. And the powers that be think that dark storylines is what attracts viewers. And they've been doing it for long enough that, who knows, maybe there's something in that. I don't know, because I was reading something recently where um, some awards show is coming up and Coronation Street has no nominations. And I can't remember what it was or anything, but... Is it Crufts? Who knows? Maybe. It's a, it's a dog show. Oh, well, that would make sense. But, you know, it's 
I can't be the only one. I can't be the only one watching this saying it. It's getting to be too much. And I just can't, I, I can't watch this at, anymore. I don't think you are the only one, but I, I, I think conversely, there must be a fairly silent minority or majority. Who uh-huh. knows? You're perfectly happy with this. If the if the viewing figures were dropping considerably, they sack the producer, they get somebody else in, and they maybe lighten up a little bit. But they don't show any any signs of doing that. That I think that drama in the twenty first century has to have some kind of societal message and has to be hard hitting and has to be dark. And I, this you know, is like I said, this is. This is not a hardline drama. This is a soap opera. Soap operas are supposed to be soapy. <laughs> well, you know, this is not soapy. Soap operas are supposed to be kind of ridiculous drama. I, I always thought that the kind of the mood of the show was supposed to be kind of the opposite of the societal mood. Right. So in a time of prosperity and opportunity and wealth, that's when the misery porn memoir right. became really popular. Right. People liked to read about that stuff while they were doing fairly well. Right. But where you're doing fairly badly, like right. in the 70s and 80s for a lot of people mm-hmm. with strikes and stuff like that, you wanted something that was a little bit uplifting a bit right. lighter to, aspirational yeah and that i think is what cory was at that point it was kind of a, a more fun show to watch like even in 2001 I, I today i took snippets of fred elliott making noises again uh-huh. from half a year's worth of coronation street and put it all together and even in 2001 there you had a fun character who just would wander into stories and be fun and right. not really come do anything consequential or nothing all that important for right. most of the time, but just be there just to provide a bit of light relief. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we're missing is the balance of of the, the light with the dark. And yeah, when we Kirk do have is not dark, enough. N- no, sorry. And and having too much dark stacked up right. that are kind that are based on kind of similar Right. For and the, that are all about assaults on women. Until recently, Amy and Daisy lived in the same house. Right. And these things are happening to two women who live in the same house. Right, in the same family. And then we have Carla being drugged by LSD. Yet another woman from the same family. Mm. You know, it's... The actors are doing their best with what they have been given. I think they're doing a great job. And I applaud that. I applaud Ellie being awesome, as she always has been. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it cannot be easy to just be have this stuff piled on top of you over and over and over again. And like I said, I just, more in the Daisy storyline, which, which we will get to, but, it's, but also this one, it just... It doesn't feel like it's being handled particularly well or with consideration for the audience and considering what the audience themselves may have gone through in their own personal lives. You know, it's just, it's just kind of infuriating. 
I think where they're actually probably getting it right. And, you know, we, we, we praise El Mulvaney frequently. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think she's done a great job here so far. I think James Craven, as Aaron, is doing a good job as well of being... He's playing the part well of being a a guy who is young and unwilling to accept the facts of what has happened. I think the the path that that character is going down is entirely believable. I feel like it's too sympathetic to him. I don't think it's been sympathetic at all. I think he's, he's coming across quite pathetic, actually. Right. And I, and I think that... I think maybe what we're lacking is, is Amy's inner thoughts on this we know that she's clearly upset and traumatized mm-hmm. by what's happened yes but i'd, I'd like to know Especially if she, if she's on even top th- of the stuff that she's already been traumatized by i'd like to th- i'd like to know if she's even thinking about going to the police it doesn't seem that she is no and and i'd like her to have somebody to talk to and i i kind of felt that it, would, it was important for her to have someone to talk to this week right about it and yeah the way daisy was able to talk to maria last week and Mm. i thought that's what was going to happen between amy and daisy because you'd think that if there's anybody amy could talk to about this it would be daisy Mm -hmm. who would be a member of the family but also not someone like her mother who would just go out and straight out murk the guy right you know and uh, yeah there's there's that just not ha- having Amy to have anyone to talk to, just once again, just shoving summer down our throats mm. when this should not be really a summer storyline. No. You know, like you said, we've, once again, they're back together. Why would she take him back after the way he treated her last week? Well, pick your, pick your time. Because they've, they've broken up at least five times. Right, yeah. So So maybe this guy isn't the love of your life. And maybe this right. guy shouldn't be someone that you're planning on going to university because of your right. locale to him. Right, yeah. Maybe let's let's consider other options here. Like I said, it, it continues to infuriate me how much they have altered Summer to be this kind of wreck of a character when we've seen her grow up and this is not the way grown up summer should be. The cheeriness that she has this week in comparison to her mood in previous weeks suggests to me that she's on the verge of a breakdown. That she's in a kind of mania sort of phase. Yeah. I would just like for But God, for, do for, we really want to see a woman uh, break down on the show again? Seriously. I would just want Amy to have a a little uh, release from this and I hate to think that it's getting drawn out because of story and not because of character right yeah let's move on uh, okay yes good to Beth smacking okay good <laughs> thank you on Monday a story I can get behind <laughs> at the bus stop Sam tells Hope that he told Tyrone the truth about the Beth slap but he didn't believe him Fucking typical, says Hope. And to commiserate, she decides to blow off school for the day and she heads back home, leaving Sam on the bus on his own. <laughs> Going to school. Which was Sam. hilarious. 
In the factory, Tyrone, who doesn't work at the factory, is in the factory to talk to Fizz. He's looking to see if she can get some time off at lunchtime for some <clears throat> afternoon delight. Oh, yeah. Everyone in the factory is sick, which alerts Carla, who chases Tyrone out with a broom. Get out! Get she out! shouts, just like that. Beth is jelly of Fizz and starts making Kirk's jelly by talking about some of her exes, like Steve McDonald. Walk. <laughs> and Marco. Yeah, she says Steve doesn't count. Yeah. It's, it's Marco. She's a woman of the world, she says. Well, so am I, says Kirk. Oh, Kirk. So at lunchtime, Tyrone and Fizz are getting down to it on the couch when Hope wanders in, thankfully with her noise-cancelling earphones on, but she's caught and Fizz is furious that Hope is dogging it. And yep. in her anger, Hope flinches, worried that Fizz was about to belt her like Auntie Beth did when no one believed her. Yeah. Hope has stolen the chocolate mousse that <laughs> was supposed to be putting Fizz and Tyrone in the mood. Mm-hmm. I th- were they going to put it on Tyrone's body for Fizz to lick it off or the- okay anyway <laughs> I love them both and I love the moose back at the factory Fizz and Tyrone are in to challenge Beth for slapping Hope Beth comes clean calling it a moment of madness and just a clip how would you like it if I slapped Craig says Tyrone <laughs> Kirk is shocked Carla gets her broom out again and chases Tyrone out of the factory for the second time today. Fizz wants Beth. While making pss, pss, pss noises. <laughs> She's got a little water bottle, a little squishy water yes. bottle. Fizz wants Beth to stay away from her family. Later, Beth is doing the last of Fizz's job to make up for assaulting her daughter. Kirk is still fuming about this and refuses to listen to Beth's excuses, saying that he'll be sleeping in Peanut's room tonight because not only did Beth hit Hope, she lied to his bare face about it. Yes, she did. That makes it a bare-faced lie. Absolutely. At home, Fizz and Tyrone apologise to Hope for not believing her, which pleases Hope until she learns that Fizz and Tyrone won't be calling the police about this. They've always told her that actions have consequences, and yet here we are, you bunch of fucking hypocrites, <laughs> yes. says Hope. Yes, but Hope, when have you ever faced a consequence from your parents? <laughs> Answer us that. Right. On Wednesday, meanwhile at the factory, <clears throat> so I'm splitting... I've split the story into two here. So we'll come back to the Hope and Sam bit. And let's focus on the Beth and Kirk bit. So on Wednesday at the factory, Kirk is still in the mood with his violent lying missus. When Beth comes in, she has a letter of apology that she gives to Fizz for Hope. It's reasonably heartfelt. I think she misspelled Scylla. And Beth is ashamed of her behaviour. Fizz agrees to pass her letter on. And in the rolls after an argument between Beth and Shona, Maria's caught up on what's been going on. Beth doesn't mind anyone else hating her, but can't stand that her Kirky isn't talking to her. Maria suggests reminding him of how good a person she is. So Beth goes, Yikes. <laughs> right, good luck with that. So Beth goes back to the factory with her box of her, their keepsakes and she talks them through them. There's a key to their old flat, there's some of his adamant costume from their wedding, Aww. and a poem that he wrote her that sounds like the lyrics to Like a Virgin. She's lost without him, but, but he says he needs more time. Then Kirk runs into Maria and Fizz later and they both make a case for drawing a line under the incident and forgiving Beth. And Maria's like, look, if Fizz can do it, Kirk, surely to God you can. Later in the pub, Kirk and Beth seem to make up. But as he goes through other items in their keepsake box, he finds a letter from her exotic ex, Marco. Polo! Kirk is hurt to discover that the keepsake box isn't their relationship. It's all of hers. He leaves her... (laughs) Very small box. <laughs> he leaves her to it, leaving everyone with the image of Steve and his wife runs. 
on her own, Beth talks to Glenda about this Marco character and she shows her his Facebook photo on her phone. Glenda snatches the phone, does her a favour and sends him a friend request. Yes. Beth's shocked, but maybe just a little, a little curious about this. Yeah. So much good use made out of Glenda this week. Yeah. Let me just say, yeah. I loved all of Glenda being in the show this week. Glenda was a Fred Elliot this week a little bit. Yes. On Friday at the factory, Kirk is still annoyed with Beth and only slept in the bed with Beth because Peanut kept licking his face. Aww. He's also pissed with her keeping her old love letters. Beth is getting pretty bored with this shite and wistfully checks on Marco's profile on her phone. In the factory, during a discussion about crisps, Fizz and Beth get into another argument about Hope, who Beth compares with Genghis Khan, who Sally has to point out was a 13th century warlord. Right, because so Faye hilarious. thinks it was a rapper? A boxer. A boxer, okay. And that's Amir Khan. Right, yes. So Sarah splits them up and sends Beth to work with Kirk. The funny thing is, is most of those people probably have Genghis Khan DNA running through their blood. Since it's like, what, 90% of people on Earth are related to Genghis Khan? Oh, really? Yeah. Because he uh, spread his seed an awful lot while he was conquering the world. What was it? Was it with the Mongols and just invading things? They loved it. Yes. And they were good at it too. Very good at it. And they were also, you know, conscientious and and uh, allowed people to still have. Once they conquered them, you know, they they allowed women in their in their um, in their armies and to lead and stuff. The Mongols, while being you know very murderous, were also quite progressive for their time. This turning into a Mongol podcast. <laughs> The talk of the Mongols. The talk of the Mongols. What would my theme tune be for that, I wonder? <laughs> <clears throat> Beth and Kirk continue to argue in the packing department. But not like that. And it gets to the point where Kirk offers to move out and Beth doesn't give a fuck one way or the other anymore. At lunch, Beth is looking at Marco's profile on her phone again when Kirk comes and apologises for his reaction to her punching Hope in the face. Apology accepted, says Beth, as she hides a notification that Marco has accepted her friend request. Uh-oh. And in the roles, Beth decides to apologise to Kirk too. He nips off for a shite, which allows Beth to go through Marco's pics on Facebook, and she gets caught doing so by, uh-oh, by Glenda. Uh-oh. Beth insists that she's only interested in getting an old 12-inch of hers back, but not like that. <laughs> Seems that Glenda and Beth are becoming little frenemies Yeah. Here. Yeah. I quite like it because everyone likes Glenda. Yeah. It's kind of nice that somebody doesn't. And that somebody's Beth. Right. But she also does kind of like her as well. Hmm. Back at the factory, Kirk is spoiling Beth with teen bickies. Fizz, though, still carrying a bit of a grudge. And later, Kirk is grateful that Beth accepted his apology for his reaction to her punching Hope in the mouth. He asks if she really has ditched the letter from Marco. And she promises that she has. And he's glad because he can't bear the thought of her thinking about another man. In the pub later, Glenda checks to see if Beth has been in touch with Marco and it turns out that she has. And he wants to meet up with her to give her her 12 inches. And not a word of this to Kirk. But not like that. And that's as far as we get with that. Yes. Kirk gets a storyline. Kirk has a storyline. We need a fanfare for that. No, no, no. no. Maybe do you still have a... Hold on. I might have. I might have. No. No. 
No. No. Nope. I think that's about it. Where's blue, 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 blue? What was that again? Oh, hindsight corner. God, we haven't done that in a while. No, because... I don't think I have it on this We anymore. get everything right now. No, if we just stop <laughs> caring, right? I still that have too. this, though. I've fallen, and I can't get up. We're sending help immediately, Mrs. Fletcher. See, it is Mrs. Fletcher. Mrs. Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> there, there we, we go. go. That'll do. Kirk gets his own storyline. <laughs> and I'm kind of pleased about that. Yeah. Although it's, it felt like it was coming to an end very quickly. But the fact that Beth and this Marco are, I guess, going to meet up. Yeah. That does add a little bit more of a yes. frisson into proceedings. Yes. That maybe something serious could be happening here. Mm, a serious Kirk storyline? It's also nice that the show remembered that Maria and Kirk are related. Yeah. Because <laughs> sometimes you see them talking and you think, why is Maria talking to him? Oh, oh that's right. That's right. They're yeah, related. There we go. Yeah. Shared DNA. Yeah. I kind of maybe have a little concern for Beth and Kirk's marriage. Yeah. Because this is what happens when when characters don't get drama they become Kirk and Beth yeah and then eventually they split up but see this is what I like this is what I want I want troubled marriages because of some hot guy that Beth dated 20 years ago called Marco called Marco come on give me more Marco Mm. that's what Beth said yeah unless Darko Oh, Donnie Darko. Man, if only this was Donnie Darko. <laughs> I can't remember what, what that was. Was that the, the time loop thing with the rabbit? With, with the rabbit, yeah. yes. yes. Yeah, I quite like that. And the tears for the fears. The tears for the fears, The yes. tears for the fears. <laughs> That's what this show needs, a giant spooky rabbit. Kirk and Beth have their their issues they tend to be done for comedy they tend to fall out for an episode and then they they make up again she calls him Kirky a couple of times and that's really all it takes but this feels like it might actually have some thorns that are going to stick in longer term and some weight and I don't I don't think I disapprove of it no me neither good stuff good stuff all right, let's move on to our next storyline, which is Tim's mum about the house. Just a few scenes from Monday about this. And number four, Tim's mum is having a problem with her tablet. Tim takes a look at it and sees that she's looking at flats in Red Bank. Tim's mum reveals that she's getting a place with Stephen and Tim didn't have any idea that this was going to happen thanks so this is a horrendous notion yes and also this whole issue with the tablet occurs right when tim <laughs> and sally are going upstairs yes. to get it on because sally is also jealous of fizz and tyrone <laughs> yes sally is more accommodating to the idea but tim wants to protect her and needs a plan sally doesn't think that this is oceans 11 i checked it isn't 
No. She tells him to have a grown-up conversation with Stephen. So Tim tries to do this, but is quickly bamboozled by the silver-tongued Canadian, who suggests that Tim doesn't think Tim's mum deserves to be happy. Inadvertently, Tim sort of gives his blessing, providing Stephen treats Tim's mum with respect. Yes. Once he's dealt with these idiots, Stephen downplays his relationship with Tim's mum to Jenny, and then after an angry Carla tells him to be at the factory at 7.30 sharp, he gets on to the phone to Rufus Houndstooth to arrange refilling his prescription. If you know what I mean. Yeah, and that's all that happened on that. Ugh, I, I, am, I am glad that that's all that happened on that. So at least they weren't triple dogpiling down on us with, mm. with women in danger. I do have concerns again, though, that Stephen has run out of the LSD and is getting some more because he had this plan. Right. Of drugging Carla that seemed to be working. Right. And then he was so stupid that he drank it himself. Right. And you may remember him tripping out of his tits. Yes. He was tripping balls that week, remember? Yes. yes. You think and that learned would be, nothing. You think that would be his lesson? No. This is, this is so not a man go, who learned lessons. So he's going to go back to that plan A? This is a man who should have left after his second murder. Plan. His plan B is to do plan A slightly differently or no just just basically exactly the same same. yeah i can't be bothered with that no can we please just get rid of this guy tim's mum. i'm worried he's gonna kill her i'm worried about that too and even the fact that she's kind of going along with a lot of this stupidity yes what she had to endure with tim's dad you think the show would kind of cut her a bit of a break no, this but show does not cut women breaks. But what it's doing here instead is kind of saying, Tim's mummy, what you like. Yeah. Maybe she deserves to be treated horribly by men because look at her, she's so stupid. No wonder no wonder she got uh, right. taken for a ride by Tim's dad because look at her. She's yeah. got, she's, it's all happening to her again. Yeah, yeah. She just didn't learn anything. Fuck this show. Because remember, remember when she, when she came back, she was kind of timid yes she was on her own i think yeah she'd kind of become a bit isolated which i can entirely see being a consequence of being uh, bullied and demeaned by tim's dad over the years and yet here she is now kind of fallen for it again right and and she with and, no reservations yeah and she and yasmin kind of built one another up and gained their strength back kind of by uh, having this shared experience. And, and it was a, lovely. And a sisters before misters kind right. of thing. Right, yes. And at least Yasmin <clears> moved <throat> on to Homeless Stew and his fabulous hair. Yeah. But, you know, it took an awful lot of convincing for Yasmin to fall for Homeless Stew yes. and that fabulous hair. Yes, and that's what's missing here. Right, yeah. Is that she's, I hate this. Hate it. That she's been... She's almost been the one that's kind of chasing him yes but again let's remember like all the women on the street seem to think that steven is a good catch and i don't understand why yes they don't understand they don't know about the murders and stuff but have they looked at him have they heard him speak oh that's terribly harsh but fair no it's just ohioans man ohioans Let's not forget this man is 
in real life from Ohio, our sworn enemy. <laughs> we had a war and everything. We did. Look it up. It was pointless and it, nobody died. It wasn't pointless. We got the UP out of it. <laughs> and they got a teeny tiny sliver. They got Toledo, I think. Which yeah. is where he's from. He could have been... A Michigander. A Michigander, I think. I yes. maybe got that wrong. A name given to us by Abraham Lincoln. No, if, I'm if, just full of facts if, today. If I can speak well, maybe we'll be bringing Hyde St. Connor <laughs> back next week. I might need to dig out that tune again. No, if I can speak with some authority on anything, mm-hmm. it's that an accent goes a long way. It does. Let's move on to our next story, which is, and they called it Maniacal Puppy Love. <laughs> on Wednesday, as Hope heads off for school, she's still in a bad mood that Ty and Fizz won't grasp Beth up to the cops from the earlier storyline. Sam and Hope catch up, and Hope is already thinking of ways that she can manipulate the situation to get new trainers. She's always wanting new trainers. Sam has his own worries that he has a design and tech assignment where he has to make a diorama. He's worried about it, so Hope agrees to help. I didn't think they had dioramas in the UK, but look, look at that. Look at that. He's also missing his dad a bit. At home... Where is his dad? Where, where did... Where, where did he go? Where did Nick go? I don't remember Nick leaving. He's probably living with Audrey as well. <laughs> At home, Hope is unimpressed with Beth's apology letter, but ropes Tyrone into doing Sam's homework for him. And then when Sam arrives, he finds that Tyrone has made a pretty good diorama. Sam is worried about cheating. Hope tells him to lighten up and goes off to get some biscuits. Nobody will find out if you don't tell nobody. No. On Friday, Fizz is appalled with the state of Hope's bedroom and demands that she cleans it up as she's been unable to locate Ruby. Poor, poor Ruby. Poor Ruby. Tyrone's spine is missing again and he says that Hope needs to go to school so she can tidy her room later and she, and he gives Hope a bit of a wink. Hope and Sam are back from school and they're about to park when Sam says he doesn't want to go home and he'd rather hang out with her. So they go into that and it's adorable. So Sam and Hope have a milkshake in their rolls and they tell each other that they like each other's company and as they hold hands and with some help from Summer, because Summer's the person they ask, right. they decide that they are boyfriend and girlfriend. Oh, shush you, it's all. No, it's not. Later at home. Fizz is impressed because Hope's room is the tidiest it's ever been. And that's because Tyrone was a sap who cleaned it for her. Hope says that she's nearly forgiven Tyrone for not believing her now. Yeah, after She hasn't he... learned a single no, thing. No, she really hasn't. She really hasn't. And this is why I roll my eyes. Because they're like, oh, we're not going to make her a horrible demon child anymore. We're going to give her lighthearted storylines now. And according to this show, the only lighthearted storyline a woman can have on this show is dating a man. Well, she's Sam. got a boyfriend now. So now she's not she's not crazy anymore. She's got a boyfriend. Yay! Fuck off. Shush you, it's Sam. I don't care. I don't want I don't want Sam to be dating either. Let them be kids. Oh, they're not dating. What's a, a boyfriend and girlfriend at that age is hardly anything more than what they're Drinking currently doing. Drinking milkshakes and holding hands. Yeah. But still, let them just be friends. Please, let's, let's, let, let them be friends. And let's have hope actually change. 
So she's not going to be a demon child, but she's still going to constantly manipulate her parents and they're going to allow that to happen. Well, she can learn all the lessons in the world, but Fizz and Ty need to learn some lessons of their own. And they've, and they've not. No. And they never will. So there will never be a consequence for Hope for any of her actions. That's what we're saying. Ever. Correct. We're just going to pretend none of it ever happened and give her a boyfriend. Do you know, maybe this is exactly what she needs just to calm down. Wow. <laughs> wow. You're lucky I know you're kidding. <laughs> I think we better move swiftly on then. I think it's adorable. You would. They're sitting drinking milkshakes. It's lovely. And they're in their wee school uniforms. It's so cute. I don't know why I said it like that. Our penultimate storyline tonight is <clears throat> Uh oh. Miley Shyness. That's no great. It's not. That's no great. On Wednesday at the factory, Sally apologizes to Faye and asks if everything's alright. Faye is thrown by Jackson getting in touch and is making it's making her stressed out of her tits and she just wants to move on. I don't know how many times she has to say that she just wants to move on. Right, yeah. Later, and nobody listens to her and nobody believes her. Later at Nina's Rolls, she meets up with Tim, who is feeling a bit left out of her life and wants to remain close. So they arrange to go out clubbing together because Craig is working. But Craig changes his shift so he can go clubbing after all. That was a great story. Right. A little story beat. Go, Craig's working. Oh no, Craig's not working. <laughs> so Tim's off the hook. When Faye gets a text at the dinner table from Jackson, Tim is unusually interested because he thinks it's a meme. You don't get memes, says Sally with a smile on her face, talking to him like he's a confused infant. Because he is. And while that's going on, Faye quickly deletes it. Then when Craig comes over, he announces that he has booked a spa weekend for Faye's birthday surprise, which he's promptly ruined by telling her about it ahead of time. She tells Sally about the text, but she's sticking to her guns. She wants no part of this Miley thing. No. On Friday, Tim comes down the stairs of Discovery after doing his morning shite, worried about Faye, but reluctant to talk to her in case it's about women's bits, because he knows that something's wrong with her. Right. The door goes, and on the other side, it's a guy that Tim thinks works in the bins. But no, it's Jackson, Miley's dad, and he's here to see Faye. I thought his name was Billy Ray. (laughs) Jackson explains that he sent Faye messages. Tim reckons that Faye will definitely want to see him and Miley again, and all this means that Sally has to come clean about Faye's feelings and how she's known about it for a while, and Tim is not pleased at this duplicitness. No. At work, poor Tim's mind is wandering. Wandering. At work, poor Tim's mind is wandering. Sally comes in with an apology sandwich, but Tim resists. His wife lied, and his daughter won't let him see his granddaughter. Someone should have told him. So Sally says, well, you're going to need to speak to Faye about this then. Right, yes. You asshole. Right. So Tim cooked curly fries for a special birthday dinner for Faye. Well, I say cooked. He put them in the oven. Right. And he talks to Faye. "Mm, I think that's heating. (laughs) And he talks to Faye about Jackson and Miley. He doesn't understand why she doesn't want to see her daughter. So Faye has to explain the same story that she's told to Sally to Tim. She doesn't want anything to do with Miley or Jackson she wants to put all that behind her it's in the past so Tim is alone with his thought 
as he walks by <laughs> the community garden and sees Ken talking about the birds and the bees, but not like that, with Bertie. Who, who has his binoculars backwards looking up in the sky at what he thinks is an eagle. Mm-hmm. And we get to hear Bertie speak. Yeah, he's quite developed as far as language is concerned. Well, he is a Barlow. <laughs> this is true. This was so cute. This is cute. <clears throat> this is cute. Because, t- you know, a son and his granddad, there's no relationship like that. That's a little bit special right there. Yes. Because Tim needs to see a grandparent and a grandchild bonding to make him think. Right, yes. At home, Tim tells Sally that he's okay with Faye's decision, but he reveals that he's already made arrangements with Jackson to see Miley on the down low, and he makes Sally promise to keep it from Faye because Sally owes him. And that's as far as we get with that this week. She owes you nothing. So, is it next week that Faye's going to be presented with Miley then? Right, because when she's going to have this child forced upon her. Going to happen. Yes. Because nobody can respect a woman's decision on this show. <laughs> you know, they're, they're lining them up that way. It has God. to be said that it really is getting lined up that way. And then you wonder why I just don't want to watch for a while. It's going to be me and Mersey Tart just sitting on the sidelines. <laughs> listen, me, listen to me talk about it. Yes. And then he won't be listening. <laughs> and then Mersey Tart won't be listening either. It'll just be me. Well, you could just... Talking you, into the void. You could just tell me what happens and that I could react to it. And then it would be hilarious. Because you could make stuff up and I would just believe you. I'm making half of this shit up. <laughs> Unfortunately, you're I, not. I stopped watching Coronation Street years ago. <laughs> I wish... I wish... <laughs> You were making this up. No, I saw a number of comments, I think from the same person, though, that complaining, you know, that's another white male being made out to be a baddie. Like, well, that's an interesting take on it. Because <laughs> we're just ignoring that all this is, like, horrible shit getting done to women. Right, yeah. <laughs> Mm. Hmm. That's an interesting take. Hmm. In fairness, I don't think Tim is necessarily being a baddie here. I think. Oh no! I think oh, there were, this was about yeah. the whole uh, Aaron and Max kind I, of stuff. And you know, and honestly, I think Tim legitimately has a choice. You know, if he chooses, if he wants to have a relationship with this child, he can have a relationship with this child, and without Faye having a relationship with this child. It's perfectly acceptable to do. There are lots of grand there are lots of grandparents out there with relationships with their grandchildren, raising their grandchildren, and those children have no relationship with their parents. Mm-hmm. Happens all the time. Yep. So there is a way this storyline could go where both Tim and Faye are happy. Unfortunately, that's not where we're going to get. Well, we might end up there. But we're right, going to but go first we're going through, to traumatize Faye. We're going to go through a pile of shit before we get there, yeah. yes. Now, remember, we've already traumatized her by putting her with Craig. Right. And we've traumatized her further by not being able to have children. Right, yes, by going through early menopause. And didn't she have a miscarriage? She did. She did. Or she thought she was pregnant and she wasn't. Oh, she had that, that phantom yeah, pregnancy. That's right. What else has happened to Faye? 
I mean, the Craig thing is the worst, obviously. <laughs> but, uh, oh, and then she had to date Seb. Remember that? It was back when Seb was insufferable before he got together with Nina and became a delight. Mm hmm. Which, of course, had to end with him being murdered because nobody's allowed to be happy on this show. Yeah. It always just struck <laughs> me how much the two of them looked like each other. They looked like they were, like, siblings. Yeah. So it never really sat that comfortably with me no. in the first place. Yeah. And they were both kind of mopey together. Yeah. Yes, they were. That's why he needed Nina to make him understand what happiness was. Yeah. And now Faye is mopey all on her own. Yes. Pure wee thing. Yes. <sighs> Do you know, for a, a bad week, we've been flying through it. Because it's a bad week. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's how that works. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I agree that I think the way that he's doing it is wrong. But, yeah. you know, everyone's natural instinct on the show is to, wherever possible, to lie right, or and, keep something from someone who should really know the thing that right. you're keeping from them. And I mean, you know, in fairness, when he says, well, I want a relationship with her, Faye said, that's not up to you, which is incorrect. Mm. But, you know, I understand where Faye is coming from, but it's an incorrect stance. She she should not get to decide whether or not Tim has a relationship with his grandchild. The two of them living in such close proximity to each other, though, kind of makes kind of makes it really difficult for Faye not to have or at least not see Miley even by accident. She can see her with, without having... I see people all the time I don't have relationships with. All the time. I'm walking by people that I never see again and it's fine. I don't know if you're getting what I mean. I walk by the same people all the time because they also live in Eaton Rapids and I, it's fine. I definitely don't think you know what I'm... What I'm Meaning then? Well... Because when she just goes over for dinner, Miley could be there. Well, it's very easy to say, hey, I've got Miley tonight, so I'm sure you probably don't want to come over for dinner. I know people on the show cannot communicate with communicate one another. They don't communicate like this. This, this. this definitely doesn't happen. <laughs> well, maybe it should. Sally, I thought, was quite good, though, because she... <laughs> she threads the needle was, quite well. Her, her position was... Take this up with Faye. Right, yes. This shit got nothing to do with me. Absolutely. And that's more power to her for that. Yes. All right. <clears throat> Let me just get my guitar for this one. <sighs> Let me just check to make sure that it's in tune. Yep, sounds like it. So our next storyline tonight is Justice Talking's right again Again mm -hmm. Are you trying to prove to the listeners that you actually can play guitar? Oh, fucked up It's fine <laughs> It's Justin Stalking's right again on Monday, Daisy is not looking forward to meeting her mum at lunchtime, particularly because she has a new bloke she wants to show off, her mum, not Daisy. Although, by the end of the week, who, who knows? knows? 
In the way, so Daisy's mum announces that her new man is named Jay and Uh-oh. is very handsome. And Uh-oh. when she goes off to get some nibbles, to the surprise of no one, correct, it turns out to be Justin. Yes, as Daisy's mum's new man. Which, <sighs> come on, I don't know how much sense this makes. I don't think it's a huge amount. That Where one, would... one she, he's managed to track her down. Right. Two, he's convinced her to go out with him. Right. In a really short period of time. Right. And also, at first, I thought she knew what Justin looked like. I could have sworn she was in the room at one point when he came in to do the creepy stalking. But... This seems to indicate that she doesn't know what he looked like. Right. It's okay because this isn't the only thing that doesn't make sense in the storyline this week. <laughs> if only. Daisy carefully describes to her mum that this creeper is her stalker. He protests his innocence, but she says, what, you're dating my mum? She storms out, but her mum is more concerned with the fact that Justin may not have actually been interested in her after all. Right. She's great. I wish I could remember her name. Later in the pub, Daisy's mum comes in on her own. She's kicked Justin to the curb because he doesn't stop talking about Daisy and she now agrees that he's obsessed with her. Now you're caught up, says Daisy. And the mum goes off, promising to become, promising to come back for the hen do. Right, yes. She also says, do you want me to go and knock him out and stuff? And she's like, no. Yeah. On Wednesday at the Rovers, Daisy is worried that her mum has spilled details of the wedding to Justin which somehow gives Daniel an opportunity to quote Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> Daisy wants to change the date, and much against Daniel's advice, she goes off to speak to the suppliers. Later, we learn that the venue has had a cancellation, but the only end time the they month. have now is at the end of the month. Daniel suddenly worries about getting time off work again, but she manages to convince him as she prepares for her dress fitting. The dress supplier shows up at the pub later without dress, she wants a word with Daisy about the loan that was the arrangement, apparently. Justin has been in touch with them, accusing Daisy of assaulting him. Daisy and Jenny explain about the stalking, but this does not cut any cheese. The word of a psychotic madman stalker they don't know from Adam is enough for them to cancel the loan, although they will allow her to buy the dress for two grand, bail not included. Right. So, which is actually pretty cheap for a wedding dress. Is it? Yes. That's actually a good deal for one of those stupid things. I mean, I've never paid that much for a wedding dress. But still, yeah. And here we come to the second this doesn't make sense part of the evening. Because how did he know where she was getting the dress from? Because it kind of feels like this is not something that she discussed with her mom. And it feels like not the sort of thing her mom would be discussing with her boyfriend. No. So uh, him getting her new phone number off of her mom makes sense. He can probably get that without her mom knowing. Even knowing. Right. And And obviously didn't because she didn't know that he was the creepy stalker. But to find out all of these details about suppliers and stuff... Yeah, because this is just the start of these dominoes kind of falling over here. Yeah, and none of them make sense. But him knowing about this is unusual. Mm-hmm. Their stance on this is even more right. bizarre. Yeah. Because she says to Daisy, 
you know how social media works. Well, presumably you know how social media works as well. This, right. This creeper is followed by nobody. Right. Daisy, for the love of God, let's remember she's an influencer. Right. She's followed by a lot of people. That's why this loan was agreed to in the first place. Yeah. Who's supposed to care about this? Right. Yeah. Like, oh, who's we don't want any trouble. Who's supposed to care about this? Right. And he could say anything right. to them then and they're going to believe it. Well, you know, he's a man and she's a woman. So who you going to believe? Mm. This continues this week as well. Mm. Ugh. It's strange, though, coming from another woman. Right. To, yeah. to very quickly assess Justin's accusations here right. as being Truthful. so so important right. that it's worthy to cancel the deal because it right. would look bad on them somehow. And also, wouldn't they have signed a contract for all of this before now? So wouldn't it be very difficult for them to just back out? What is going on here? When Daniel gets back from work, he learns that Justin has been in touch with all the suppliers and that Justin must have pretty convincing partner because they've all backed out. Well, he is and if Scottish. He does have, well, yeah, if, but I don't think he's got much in the way of partner. No, because he's a creep. If she can't have the wedding that she wants, she doesn't want to get married at all, says Daisy. Daniel reassures Daisy that it doesn't matter so long as they're together and they can get married in the community garden with Kirk dressed up as Batman for all he cares. Yeah, and she's like, you are not listening to me. Yeah, this doesn't impress Daisy, who thinks Daniel is quite happy that thanks to Justin, he's getting the low-key wedding that he wanted all along. And he did have a dig at her again about being on social media, didn't he? Right, yes he did, because of course he did. She goes home to get some reassurance from Ken. It comes to this. But he makes an excuse to fuck off and meet Audrey, and this leaves Daisy alone at number one. There's a knock at the door, and on the doorbell cam, she can see it's Justin, who shouts that he knows that she's in there. She quickly locks the front door, but as she's doing that, he sneaks in the back. He blames Daniel for the stock and protection order and expects her to be grateful that he's fucked up the wedding. Daniel is not right for her. He has a point. Mm. She lays it out again that she hates Justin and just wants him to leave her alone. Justin, though, wants to talk about their marriage and he seems to go a bit dark when he thinks that Daisy isn't paying him any attention. Right. Because he wants to go to Venice right. on honeymoon yeah. with her. Yikes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a moment too soon, though. Daniel finally gets home and kind of, sort of, chases Justin out of the house. Yes, while miraculously making the chain across the door invisible. Making the chain across the door invisible. Right, because Daisy had locked and latched the door. (laughs) So Daniel makes the latch invisible in order to burst through the door somehow. (laughs) Yeah, I... Didn't notice that. I mean, it's no Starbucks cup in the Game of the Thrones, but still. No, I didn't notice that either. (laughs) 
They call the cops, but it's Tinker they send round, and we already know that he doesn't give a solitary fuck about any of this. He really doesn't. Justin didn't break in, he didn't threaten her, so the only thing they can do is have a word with him about trespassing, but apparently that's not a criminal offence. How is trespassing not a criminal offence? What? How is walking into somebody's house... Uninvited. Uninvited and unwanted... Not a criminal offense, especially if this is someone that has already been put on record as being a stalker. It's just, it's so terrifying and yet so also so believable that that this would be the case, you know? England does have some weird trespass laws, I think, that I think you can only get done if you cause damage. It's weird. Yeah, it is weird. But you're right. There are there are additional circumstances here that should be taken into account. Right. And isn't this what the police are for? Protecting personal property. <laughs> that's why they're on this earth. That's why they're on this earth, not to protect people, to protect <laughs> property. No, he has a. He has on record. Numerous times that Daisy has got has raised complaints here. Right. They've got her journal. They can surely see that this is now escalating to the point right. where he's in the house. Right. Uninvited. And he took her phone. Why is he not getting done in for that? Taking her phone. Did he? Yeah. Oh, he snatched it over, didn't he? Right. Did he leave with it? Maybe not, because she still has it. Yeah, he he obviously didn't leave with it, but he did take it. And, I mean, he was kind of threatening to her. He was saying, you know, you better pay attention to me when I'm talking to you, woman. His mere presence there is threatening her. Right, yeah, but people, for some reason, don't see it that way. Oh, he's just a person, uninvited in your house. I guess, I guess we can now say... Beyond a shadow of a doubt, he's not a vampire, so at least we have that going for him. Right. Daisy isn't impressed by this, so PC Tinker leaves in the huff. And oh my God, does he know half leaving the huff? Seriously. Huffing and puffing well. I'll see myself out. And he slams the door on the way out. Yeah, go fuck yourself, Craig. Jesus. I mean, he is dating Faye. (laughs) Daniel thinks that this was going to help with the SPO, and he's probably right. Excitement over, Daniel goes to the pub with Peter and Steve. The two of them can't believe that Daniel didn't sort the problem himself. If this was happening to Tracy, Steve reckons that she'd have killed Justin by now. Such strong woman, Helen. Such so strong. strong, strong so woman. So strong. Peter reckons that nutballs like Justin need to meet his old pals, Jack Johnson and Tom O'Leary. But not the octagon. Uh-uh. In other words, Violence. Daniel shits himself a bit the thought of it. Mm. But later, loaded with beer and chips, Peter and Daniel bump into Justin on their way home. Fired up from his chat with Peter, Daniel tells Justin to stay the fuck away and punctuates the message with a hook to the jaw and a slug to the guts. Yes, this will let's also, remember. This will also help with the SPO. The jaw and the guts. Let's remember... That's where he was hit. Yeah, hooks him, pushes him against, well, does throw him against a wall, making mm. his neck snap back, I guess. Oh. And also, he wasn't just like walking by, he was creepily staring into the windows at the rovers. <laughs> so, it's not like he was just, you know, innocently just walking by. No. 
No, because of course he wasn't. On Friday, Daniel, on the morning of Daisy's court appearance for the hearing, decides that now is the time to get enthused about wedding preparations. Daisy understandably has other things on her mind. He says he might have scared Justin off last night, but doesn't go into any yeah, more details when she asks. I gave him a asks. strict talking to. Mm-hmm. Adam turns up at the Rovers while Daisy prepares to leave for court, while Glenda decides to talk about villains from slasher movies, because that helps, doesn't it, Helen? Absolutely. Daisy mentions Daniel's altercation with Justin last night, which Adam thinks should be told to Dee Dee. Back at number one, Peter is quietly pleased with the nice bit of violence from last night, which Adam comes in to overhear. What do you boys need to tell me, says all lovely in Scottish. Mm-hmm. Daniel tries to justify yeah, his actions. That's a proper Scottish man. <laughs> Peter says he was well within his rights. Adam disagrees, and he wants to tell Daisy to make her aware of everything that's going on, but Daniel talks him out of it. At the court, at the hearing, Justin hasn't showed up, so Daisy makes a case for the SPO unopposed. And she makes a compelling case. She explains the storyline in a few paragraphs, explains how she can't go out, how Justin waits for her on the street, how Justin comes to the pub where she works, how Justin got a delivery job just so he could work in the area and find her address and phone number, how Justin maybe shagged her mum, how Justin has ruined her wedding plans and how he turned up in her fucking house. Just at that, Justin comes in with a neck brace apologising for being late. I'm surprised he wasn't also in a wheelchair. <laughs> right, seriously. So Justin gets his chance to tell his story. <coughs> and the one he tells is very different. He calls it a misunderstanding, says that they bonded at the hospital and the meetings have been just coincidence and her uh, fiancé and some other guy beat him up last night and put him in hospital, which is why he was late. He says that he's the victim. Daisy glares at Daniel. You have got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. In private, Daniel says it didn't beat Justin up, he just punched him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm. Mm. Daisy is absolutely furious at this. She could, he could have just handed him a brick and called it a day. <laughs> right. The judge has made her decision. There's not enough evidence to award the SPO. Daisy protests, but no backsies, says the judge, and she recommends that they both stay away from each other. So Justin provides no evidence to back up his story, no evidence that Daniel or Peter beat him up, no evidence that he has any relationship with Daisy, no evidence that Daisy has been uh, a willing participant in this relationship. He does have a doctor's note, though. But that generates reasonable doubt. Yeah. The law is an ass, or Corey law. Is an ass. No, no, this is this this sounds about right, sadly. For a lot of people. I was lucky, but <sighs> I think I was lucky because there were also children involved. I think people uh confuse reasonable doubt with doubt. Right, yeah. You can have doubt. Right. But it's reasonable doubt. Right. And there's no questioning. There's no questioning of either one. You would think that there would be questions. I mean, why, why does Daisy have lawyers there? What are Dee Dee and Adam doing if they can't question this guy? Yeah, she's got two lawyers. Right. He has no lawyers. He's there with his neck brace. Right. And that's it. Yeah. But it kind of suggests that he can say any old cock and bull story. Right. 
it's not going to get challenged. No. It's not going to get questioned. It's going to be accepted. Well, well this he is, is a he, man. This so. is he said, she said. Right. But this and isn't you know what women said. are like. They're so hysterical. But this isn't he said, she said, because there's a ton of stuff on Daisy's file that she's been right. screenshotting and collating. Right. And enough times that she's called the police on them. Right. Yeah, and it's been more than, oh, just accidentally bumping into one another because he's been texting her constantly and everything. And also the whole him showing up in her house wasn't them accidentally bumping into one another. And he said about that, that he thought that he was checking to make sure that she was all right or something. Right, yeah, because he was worried about Daniel. Well, well, Justin, what made you think that she wasn't? Right, yeah, and also... What business of it is yours if you guys are just casual acquaintances that just accidentally bump into one another occasionally? I hate the fact that while this may be an exaggerated but a not too heavily exaggerated it's- reflection of real life, this could put people off actually trying to get something like this done to yeah. actually try and get some help somebody to listen to them mm-hmm. from a law enforcement or a or a justice point of view i don't know i don't know if people are influenced by tv shows like that but i i think if this is a if this is a story there that supposedly has a message the message at the moment is kind of you're fucked and you're on your own yeah well in fairness to Corey, i think the multiple multiple news stories that come out all the time about women not getting their protective order and getting murdered or getting their protective order and getting murdered anyway puts women off. You know, so, I know this is kind of out with the the remit of the show and mm-hmm. our podcast. Yes. But really something has to change to make this this easier. Yeah, because my point last week, kinda, I think is still relevant. That if they are just passing acquaintances, if there mm-hmm. is no relationship there to speak of, then what harm does it do to put this SPO in order? Or, right. Or, and maybe don't call it that. Right. But put a restraining order and say, right, the two of you aren't allowed to go within a hundred yards of each other. Mm-hmm. What harm is that going to do if? if you are just passing acquaintances yeah and i mean that's kind of the frustrating thing here is that the judge says to him well you just leave her alone now you know don't bother her anymore Mm -hmm. just stay away from her you know kind of like as a warning to him like a slap on the wrist right and it's like without any authority to back that up yeah it's meaningless what are you really doing here Afterwards in the side room, Daisy, Daniel, Dee Dee and Adam, who really should have a name that begins with D, are conducting the post-mortem when Justin walks. He just walks in. Right, yeah. You've got to be kidding me, says Daisy. Get yeah, out. get lost, says Daniel. Oh, shut up, Daniel, says Daisy. At home, Daisy's still furious, blaming Daniel for everything, as he knew they had the hearing coming up. And right. whatever Justin said to provoke him doesn't matter. Because I think what Justin, what Justin said was... Daisy would be better off having cancer than going out with you. Right, yeah. Which, I don't know. It's pretty horrible. It is pretty horrible, but... She'd be better off having cancer and dying Mm. than not being with me, is essentially what he's saying. 
Daniel casts up that she hit him too. But she did it because she was scared. It wasn't part of some dick wiggling competition. Right, exactly. She steps into the bar and guess who's there. Daniel comes through and shouts on Justin to leave, threatening to put him back in hospital, which is a great thing to say in a right, public place seriously. with witnesses. Justin tells her that she'd be better with him. And at this point, I'm not sure there's much in it. Daisy says once again that she loves Daniel. She's marrying Daniel. And Justin is a creepy freak and needs to... Pack off. Needs to... Needs to fuck off. <laughs> Through the back again, Daniel explains that he followed Justin to the tram stop and he called the police. He says he's proud of how she handled herself. Daisy is unmoved. She thinks that this is just like her cancer scare. Everything has to be about Daniel. All of this is his fault. He's confused because she said out front that she loved him. Oh God, he really is so stupid, isn't he? He really is. Him and Summer. <laughs> but she says that she only said that to get Justin to leave. Daniel's not too hot on the smart brains this week. He goes on to say that it's not his fault because they probably wouldn't have given the protection order anyway. Ugh. And even if they did, it probably wouldn't have kept Justin away. And that that just about does it for Daisy. Right, <laughs> She yeah. tells him, you know what, I think I'm going to stay at the pub tonight. And she tells him to leave. So he does. So, super supportive oh, God. Daniel. Because, because, because he's called out that this is his fault. Right. Which it is. Yes. Says, well, you hit him as well. Right. Says, well, even if I didn't hit him, you wouldn't have got the yeah. The, you may not have gotten it anyway. Order. And even if you had got the protection order, he still would have come into the pub, right? Anyway, so yeah. it's not really my fault because that's the important thing, here. right? Yeah, class act that Daniel. Uh, and number one, Peter offers to talk to Daisy and tells her it's not his fault. <laughs> Surprisingly, Daniel doesn't go for it. He says no. he needs to sort this himself. Adam thinks that the two halfwits. I've really screwed up Daisy's case. Yes. So Daniel and, and and this actually gives Daniel pause because he believes it when it's coming from Adam. Yes. Because Adam is a dude. <laughs> so Daniel proves oh, that there's little difference between him and Justin by going to see Daisy when she didn't want to see him. He doesn't have much to say which suits Daisy. He says he'll come back tomorrow. She tells him not to bother. She doesn't know if she wants to marry him anymore, and she's not so keen on going out with him either. And that's how we end this week's episodes. I I had to like take my phone and put my phone up over the screen and just, you know, do some doom scrolling on, on Twitter to see if Mitch McConnell was dead yet. Is he? Not yet. Okay. Like pre- pretty much every time Justin was on the screen because it's just... You want to punch the screen when he's on screen. It's just so... So off-putting for him to, for it, it just constantly and constantly the same thing and constant and it just doesn't let up. And again, it's like the show does not seem to understand that sometimes with these hard-hitting storylines, you may feel like you're doing a service because you're trying to educate but you're also potentially re-traumatizing your audience. Mm-hmm. And it's not great. It's not a great feeling. You know, we were I I mentioned uh the movie Women Talking earlier. Yes. And how, you know, you were very considerate when I said I was gonna go watch it to just 
give me a heads up that it might be triggering to me. Yes. And I said, don't worry about it. You're right here if I need you. Hello. And I also have the dog, you know, and a blankie. Next to useless, but okay. (laughs) So I'll be fine. And, you know, and, and I said, you know, that movie, which is about a society where the men have been consistently drugging and raping the women and female children for years for years women of all ages from the age of four to 70 Mm. and that was less triggering than this show because it's very careful and considered you never you don't see the rapes take place you see kind of the aftermath yeah, and, and the blood the... and the shock, mm-hmm. you do not see any of the men. Yeah. And I think that's like the really important thing here is that you, you are affected. You see what these women have gone through, but you don't have to see the men. And that was very helpful for someone like me. Whereas having to look at Justin over and over again and hear his voice over and over again is very, very triggering, you know? Well, and you know, the show has to have some of that in it. Sure. And I get it. And I understand. Did did he have to walk into the room in the court? Right. Where is he even going here? We knew he was going to show back up. You know, and every time he shows back up, oh, I just wanted to check on you one more time. You know, there are ways to tell this story in a more considered way, I think, is 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 what I'm I'm getting to. You know, and the the show for all of its good and well intentions does not seem to have the balance and the understanding to tell that story in a considered way in a less triggering way for its audience. Well, there's the old adage Uh that if something happens in a story, it has to happen to move the story on. And it's the the South Park uh, mantra is, this happens, therefore this happens, and this happens, therefore this happens. Right. But what we're having here is we're kind of caught in a little bit of a loop yes. of Justin just turning up and yeah, just re-traumatizing over and over, over and over and over, and over again. again. And, and the, I the story mean, doesn't doesn't really move on. No, except that the little count of or the little uh, the score that we're keeping of Daisy's trauma right is increasing. Yeah, a bit every time this happens, but yes. it's not really moving the story on. No, the story this week is. She's refused the SPO. Yes. That that's what happens. But when And also her relationship with Daniel is is jeopardized. Right. But when you think of all the encounters that she's had with Justin to necessitate that happening, it, it feels overblown. Yes. Because he was in the house and he was in the court and he right. was in the little courtroom and then they came to the pub and then right. there was he was looking about outside and I think he was probably doing something else on Monday that I've forgotten about. Right. It's, it's, it's not, not really it, it's, moving it forward. It's not serving the story. No. 
other than it's it's dragging it out a little right. bit. And, and this re-traumatizing. Is where, and this is where it, it comes back to the the Amy stuff, mm-hmm. is that things are happening to serve the story, not to serve the characters. Right. So we're stretching it out just to make the story last longer. Right. We're not stretching it out because it has to be a long story. Which, does that really serve the story, making it longer just for the sake of having it longer? I don't, I don't think it does. You know, it serves the story by making it longer, but it doesn't make it better. No. If, if anything, it makes it worse. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm probably misspeaking. It's not serving the story. It's serving the, the timeline of the story. Right, yes. But not, it's not, it's certainly not serving the storytelling. No. Because this is stuff that if you were reading it, you'd cut a lot of this out. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Kill your darlings, Coronation Street. Kill your darlings. Yeah. It's not serving the characters. It's not serving the audience. And it's not serving the story. And, you know, we, there have been, there have been times and there have been storylines where kind of dragging it out and, and putting it in increments kind of helped and made it more believable. The Max storyline had yes. to happen over a period of time. Right. Because it's ridiculous to suggest that someone can be groomed in a week. Right. Even the Tim's dad storyline, initially we praised it for taking its time. It got to a point where it was like, okay, I think you've taken enough time. Mm -hmm. Let's wrap this up. But initially, you know, because again, the the sort of things that were happening to Yasmin couldn't have happened in, in the course of a week. And again, with that, with Tim's dad... Tim's dad was doing other things besides just turning up and being creepy. Yeah, you he know, was and he was escalating and stuff. Right. And he was escalating in a way. Yeah, we got to see we got to see a more well-rounded picture of Tim's dad than we have of Justin because mm-hmm. every time we have see Justin, it's him being creepy towards Daisy. Mm-hmm. We're we're not seeing we never got to see his mom. No. You know, we barely got to see the, we we saw him standing outside arranging the funeral at, with no other family. But that wasn't there for that. That was No, there. that was a, for Daisy to punch him. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and I, I think that could help both the story and the characters to see other aspects of this character because he's so very one note that every time he's on screen, it's traumatizing. Yeah. Whereas Tim's dad, it was not always traumatizing because sometimes he was messing with Brian's plants. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah, Charlotte Jordan is doing a remarkably good job. Absolutely. And that this is just cementing her as an incredible right. presence on on the show. Yes. And I think I think I just need for her sake for this to right. get to the next part of it because we're kind of lingering in this middle ground right. way, way, way too long. Right. And I know in real life this can go on for years, but yes. this is we're, we're afforded the luxury in fiction that we don't have to have that. Right, we, yeah. We can have a somewhat expedited 
arc that that brings this to some conclusion. And again, I keep on coming back to it. It's just because this is not the only thing that looks like this that is going on in the show right now. Right, and that's, yes. that really just amplifies it. And women can have other storylines where they're not traumatized and be entertaining. I'm looking at you, Beth. <laughs> it's also frustrating because, you know, they've, they've, and I think rightly so, said okay, we're going to back off some of Hope's storylines because in consideration for for the actor's well-being and mental health, well, maybe you should afford your older actors that same consideration because as we've pointed out, this isn't the first time something traumatizing has happened to Amy in the last five years. Mm. Let's, let's maybe... No, in the last year. Right. And p- summer... Oh, God. And Where do we start? Carla. Uh, I think we've talked about this enough. Yeah. So that was the week that was Coronation Street. Ugh. Helen, tell me. And I'm going to strap myself in for this. What was your moment of the week? Ken and Bertie looking at birds. <laughs> and bees. <sighs> it was... It was this beautiful shining moment where Ken Barlow was not insufferable. <laughs> where he was adorable. So I'd give it to Daisy giving her speech, giving her statement. I thought that was excellent. But you want to give it to Ken, I just you want to give it to Ken and Barry, so see, I'm, he, I'm sorry. Here's, I tried. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Daisy's speech was admirable. But I don't want to give that storyline any credit or any praise. Just like I don't want to give the Amy storyline any credit or any praise because I think the show sees things like that and says, oh, we're doing a good job. <laughs> and they're not doing a good job. I don't think anybody cares what we think. But anyway. I don't know. I think they do. <laughs> we'll they agree put Tyrone in that t-shirt after all and, yeah. and put in a sinkhole. That was coincidence. Stack and gave Stephen a massive stack of empty cups. Somebody is listening to us. Besides Charlie. <laughs> okay, fine. I really don't care. That's our moment of the week. Our moment of the week. Our boring moment of the week. Tim cooking curly fries for Faye's birthday dinner. Yes. That's our moment of the week. That was an easy sell. I have the feeling I could have said anything there. You would have just agreed with it. Absolutely. You you gave me <laughs> Ken and, and Ken and Birdie looking at birds. So I am being gracious back. Oh, well. If you've ever looked at something with binoculars the wrong way around, writing to tell us about it. We're the talk of the street. We've all done that, haven't we? It's yes, fun. It, it is fun. fun. It's so far away. No, you're just there. We are the talk of the street, gmail.com, and we're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can shout me and Helen a coffee by heading to ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky, clicky section of vogel.co.uk for links please. to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. Thank you. And we will be back next week with more. Our talk of the street. The talk of the street. Bye. Cheerio. Bye.